Now, Kyle, this is coming out on Tuesday. So yeah. when I yeah. when I throw it to you, don't say, looking forward to our live stream tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Can I say it this time, though? Because, you know, true. Let's tap. Well, it will have been yesterday when this right. comes out. It'll be. This comes out on Tuesday. Yeah. Live stream is Monday. Right, 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 right. Welcome, everybody, to the Stone Down Sports Podcast. My name is Matt. Uh, really happy to be here with you. Uh, before we get into what we've got in store today, we've got a, a really big announcement. Uh, the podcast is now sponsored by Rocky's Pizza of Swartz Creek, Michigan. Kyle's going to give you a little bit more detail on that once we get around to him. Um, as always, I'm joined here by Money, Inc., Kyle and Ramey. Ramey, what's the good word, brother? Not too much, man. Um, excited about the sponsor. I know that Kyle and you uh, are friends with the owner and um, have had a relationship with them for a while. So it's good to see that we're getting some notice and Kyle's been hitting the streets. What's going yeah. on? Not much. Is Matt, is Matt okay? He's he's laughing. He's laughing. He's good. <laughs> Something was fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm good. Uh, uh, how are you? I had a great time doing that uh, live stream the whole Brown Derby last night. Yeah, that was fun. It was a great time. Who won, Kyle? I just <laughs> thought of that. <laughs> just just kind of thought of that. When we were <laughs> like, um, uh... <laughs> Maybe we should just not talk about it. We for, for those of you yeah. who don't know, we record Sundays. So, yeah. Way to go, Kyle. Right. Yep. Why don't you just talk about the sponsorship since you spun up the very yeah. thing we talked about before yeah. we started. Uh, Rocky Pizza, uh, great pizza in uh, Swartz Creek, Michigan. Uh, excellent Stromboli. I'm going to talk about the food first, right? Excellent Stromboli. Uh, clearly. Uh, their mean, baked pastas are wonderful as well. My favorite is a medium works. Uh, that's 10 meats, 10 veggies all on it. It's delicious. Uh, but yep, they're, uh, unfortunately, they're takeout only, no delivery. Uh, you can reach them at 810 655 Look for, if you, if you, if you go to Rockies, look for those, uh, our ads with the QR code, uh, the tape to the top of the pizza box. Scan it, get to YouTube, subscribe, and watch our content. We appreciate it. Ramey, what do we got on tap today? We are back to doing our NFL divisional previews. We're going to talk about the NFC North today, which I know is near and dear to both of your hearts. So I'm excited to see what your guys' thoughts are on that. I'm rocking will... Megatron. Yep. And uh, we've got a special guest coming in. I'm uh, one of Matt's buddies. Going to talk about the Bears a little bit since he's a big Chicago Bears fan. Excited about that. And uh, we'll do our pick sixer, um, top musicians, uh, whether that be a band or an individual, whatever you prefer. Right. And uh, we'll do our back of the day replay and whatever else may come up. So um, you guys doing all right? How I know uh, having this sports podcast, it's a little tough this time of year, but um, because uh, we've got all-star the all-star game going on, but there's not a whole lot going on sports wise. Um, do you find yourselves, what, what do you guys do to fill the time when there's just not that much on? I know there's baseball, but what, when there's no football and, and basketball's over and, uh, what do you guys find to, to uh, do? Do you, do you go to movies or do you just watch like reruns of old games? What do you guys do? 
Well, for me, this is the time of year I start my fantasy football research. So you, you've got the all-star break. There isn't squad outs going on. Like, let's be real. It's not like I'm going to watch the WNBA. I may place a wager or two, but but that's it. Um, take the under. Take the under. Take the under. It's unanimous. Um, so, yeah, this is when I start to transition to fantasy football. It doesn't mean that I'm dropping my fantasy baseball team. It's just, all right, now I've got more to focus on. Yeah, same. Uh, starting to read about some uh, fantasy things, even with just doing some of our short content, um, digging down and, and reading some things about uh, some up-and-comers. Uh, and then it's a little time for me to catch up on some TV series um, that are out or haven't watched yet. Or you know, And then most of the time, I might just put out reruns when I do research for the podcast or or something similar. I thought you were going to allude to the fact that you're a big fan of erotica when you said you were doing some fantasy readings. Yes. Yeah. Fantasy readings. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Those true, you know, those true uh, stories are true, right? Yeah. They're all true. They always, dear penthouse, right? Right. Penthouse forum. You're not allowed to lie there. (laughs) They always begin. Uh, I know you're not going to believe a word, but every word is true. (laughs) All of them. So, no, not I wasn't referencing that referencing that kind of fantasy. Um whatever's rolling around in your head today, Randy, you just roll it. It's a dark place, man. We don't want to go there. Yeah, that's that's a whole different type of podcast. All right, it is time to talk some football, and I am excited because today we are talking about the NFC North, and we also have a a very special guest on today, Justin, our Chicago sports correspondent. How you doing, brother? Hey, I'm doing well today. In the heart of Illinois, it's warm, and I'm looking at some corn, so that's right up my alley. What, What are the Bears doing? Well, I guess let's start with how you felt. What happened last year? Last year was encouraging for me, and I say that for a couple of reasons. One, the offensive line got shit on a lot last year, and it was kind of hard to see that because they weren't as bad as they were publicized. I think they were the 14th overall offensive line. Um, Justin Fields, in my opinion, didn't have targets to throw to, and so like a young quarterback that can run, he ran. Uh, It was encouraging to see they were in a lot of close games that they lost. I was really happy they got that first overall pick and then traded it, but... um, they got a huge haul with DJ Moore. Super happy with that. But just last season, I feel like it was encouraging to see the growth. I uh, To see Justin Fields get a little, little bit more involved and developed as a leader. Um, I think that's going to pay dividends this year with the team, with his rapport, with his receivers. And I think actually having a better offensive line there um, coming into this year. I actually expect a wild card berth. That's, uh, that's a little ambitious for my taste. It's- a little ambitious. Um, Matt, you'll appreciate this, though. I don't know if uh, you want to give takes yet, but I really do think your Lions are going to take the division this year. I just think they've got too much to handle up there in Detroit. They're, yeah. It, it's strange actually having expectations uh, as a Lions fan, at least in this millennium. Um, yeah, you know they were perennially uh, a playoff team in the early '90s, and, and they did the every other. Oh, we're a wild card one year, and then the next year, oh, we actually have to play a playoff team schedule. Now we're gonna suck again. Ooh, we have a last place schedule, wild card again. Again, I don't agree with you about that making as a wild card. 
but I think Justin Fields does take a, a big leap this year that have gave him weapons. They have addressed the offensive line, like you uh, mentioned a little bit earlier. With all due respect for Justin Jefferson, Justin Fields is my division offensive player of the year candidate. Wow. That's my pick. I think you're correct, and I think there's there's a world where I am being optimistic. I think there's a world though where the Bears, uh, Justin Fields does that, and they still potentially miss the playoffs because it, that's still a young team coming together. But I was, I think they've got themselves set up pretty well for next year in the draft if things don't work out for him. But if he if they do, they've got him some weapons. It's kind of like Jalen Hurts in Philly last year. This is a um, shut up and prove it season for Justin Fields. I, yeah, he definitely for sure. He, def- he definitely needs to improve on in the passing game, right? Because like you said, he. When in doubt, he took off and he ran. And the Bears were number one in rushing yards last year. And they were 32nd in passing yards. So you need to see a little bit more balance. But I'm, I'm kind of with the other guys. I don't I don't know that I see a wild card berth, but I understand where you can and being an optimistic fan. But do you think that they, they were 3-14 and 14 last year. Yeah. Do you think they could improve to seven or eight wins even in it considered – it'd be considered a successful year? I think it'd be hard to consider that too much of a successful year because we've seen uh, too many teams go worst to first recently. And I think that they have the formula. Um, The thing that worries me about that is honestly there are a lot of um, the pundits picking them to do so. With the weapons they've added on offense, I think Cole Komet's going to take a leap this year, get up to the 800-yard, maybe even 1,000-yard mark, potentially 8 to 10 touchdowns this year. Him and Justin Fields established a pretty good rapport. But I really like what they did on the defensive side of the football, too. They brought in a couple of linebackers to shore that up, losing Roquan Smith. Um, that one hurt. I'm not going to lie. That still hurt. So I'm rooting for him wherever he plays. But um, with Kyler Gordon and Jalen Johnson, I think adding Tyreek Stevenson, they're going to be able to really shore up the uh, slot corner and the two on the outside and potentially give the off- or the defensive line a chance to get to the quarterback. Because last year they just really could defend they were Swiss cheese on defense. Even if Justin Fields and the offense could put up some numbers, they just couldn't defend anybody. And I think they're going to have a chance to play some lower scoring games, potentially even not lead the league in rushing, be about middle of the pack on both, but be way more effective as a team. Yeah, the, you you mentioned uh, the defense and getting Tremaine Edmonds. They were 31 against the run last year. Uh, the yeah. Bears were, and you just can't do that. Tremaine Edmonds is going to help. They gave big money. A lot of feel, a lot of Bears fans feel that uh, they overpay. Do you feel that way? Yes, but with the salary cap uh, space that we had, I wasn't too worried about it because we need defenders. And with him, TJ Edwards and Jack Sanborn, I actually feel like they kind of shored that up a little bit. Um, I think they'll be better against the run. I don't expect them to turn that all the way around, but if they can just be middle of the pack and not get ran wild on like they did last year, they just couldn't stop anybody. Uh, and Justin Fields, I think success for him is is way less rushing yards but still maybe in the six to 800 range. And I think there's a chance he breaks 3,000 passing yards. I think that is realistic as a goal, 2,500 to maybe 3,100 passing yards. But um, I think that would be success. It's just he's got to cut down on the turnovers and get way more accurate in, in the passing game. And the thing is, last year with him, he had an interesting split. <clears throat> when he had um, less than two and a half seconds spent in the pocket, his completion percentage was 11 points higher than when he had more time. Uh, So that tells me that they're going to be looking a lot to the short and intermediate passing game, and they're really going to need those receivers to win on the outside. That's the part that worries me a little bit with Claypool. What are you guys' thoughts on Chase Claypool, uh, the superstar from social media? I think he's best served as a big slot. Have him work the, the middle of the field opposite 
uh, the tight end. Um, he's not somebody that can win on the outside. Mooney can win. DJ Moore can win on the outside. So really, if you're going to play him, that's where you've got to put him. Yeah, it's, it's a shame at that size, too, that he's not a good outside receiver, but he just isn't. And it, and it doesn't and it doesn't matter if they are good. Can Justin Fields? I'll say it before Matt does. Can Justin Fields operate the offense inside the pocket without first instinct run? I, that'll definitely be the test. I think um, to his point, if they run a lot of short routes, some underneath stuff, some wide receiver screens, still get the running game involved. I'm really excited to see Khalil Herbert uh, have a chance to potentially be. And maybe not a three down back with Foreman coming in because Foreman took off last year in the second half after McCaffrey left uh, left Carolina, and I really felt like they they're going to have a good running back by committee to support Justin Fields and maybe put him in some better third down situations so he doesn't feel like he has to take off with his legs all the time. You mentioned running backs. I'm really excited about the the guy that drafted Texas, Roshan Johnson. I I'm think you're going to see him. him. Ex- I think you're going to see him go up where at one time he's going to be the the starting. Or, well, as a committee, he's done make He could be the number one guy this year. Well, I think he has the tools to be the number one guy. I'm kind of curious if they're going to work him in at the beginning of the season that way, or if it'll be something where, you know, by like week eight, week nine, maybe he takes over as a starter. Or if there's an injury to one of those other guys, he just breaks out after that. That's kind of what I expect from him if he gets the opportunity. I mean, they I, he was a great draft pick. They had 10 draft picks. They drafted very well, I thought. Uh, sort of happy. Yeah, Darnell Wright was a great pick. Yeah, you guys had a you guys had a really good draft. I was happy with the Lions as well, but um, I, I guess everybody Packers had well the Packers had a pretty good draft too. I guess too. But, um, yeah, Ramey, got anything? Yeah, yeah. I guess the the question for you, Justin, is is this a make or break year for for uh, Justin Fields? I it, it certainly is a year where he needs to take a step forward. But if he doesn't take that as big of a step as you hope. Do you think the Bears start to look for other quarterbacks, whether that be in free agency or the draft, or do you think they give him a year, another year, year four, with with having three years in the system with Eberflus and his staff um, to to fully develop? I really think this is make or break. Uh, I I'm a big fan, and you know, as a Chicago Bears fan, we kind of go down with the quarterback. I've got the Mitch Trubisky and Jay Cutler scars, Jim Harbaugh back in the day. I'm, I'm a little older than I look, and I remember Eric Kramer, another Lions guy as well. Yeah. Um, shout out to Detroit. But, yeah, I, I think this is put up or shut up for him. Uh, I think if he doesn't do it, they've set themselves up nice next year in the first round of the draft to go after a quarterback, and I really think that's just the way the NFL goes. You, you almost can't sign a free agent quarterback because it sets you back unless it is Tom Brady. You know, unless it's maybe if they get a chance to sign like Joe Burrow, which that's not going to happen. But if you get a, a chance to sign one of the three or four guys who really are huge difference makers, yeah. But I think this is his year to to show what he has to what he can do. And if he doesn't, I hate to say it, but I think they're going to move on from him. Believe is really here. Go ahead. I was just going to say, believe me, as a Colts fan, I fully support your opinion where you can't bring in a free agent quarterback or trade for one. Right. You have to do it through the Especially draft. a washed-up veteran like Cordell Stewart or Matt Ryan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Matt Ryan, Carson yeah. Wentz, Phillip Rivers, although they did have some success with Phillip Rivers, but yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm digressing. He had to yeah, retire. Well, Jacoby Brissett's your favorite quarterback in the last <laughs> few years. That's a problem, right? Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I really think that you – almost have to look at this year as Justin Fields' first season with the Bears in a way because he had nothing. Yeah. He had no talent. And now they have 
they believe in him. They've decided to spend the money and, and draft it well and now put some weapons around him and an offensive line that can um, give him more than two and a half seconds. That's the way I look at it. Let's see what he does this year. He's actually going to have some weapons. Uh, question for you guys, though. I'm, as an honest Bears fan, I'm a bit of a homer, obviously, with the wild card berth here. But I'm a little realistic that I think if he's not able to break some of the bad habits he created in these first couple of years without having what he needed, that is where I'm kind of worried. Because you see some of those quarterbacks that come out of college that can run, if they don't ever have to throw all the time, they sort of almost lose that skill in a way. And he wasn't the most accurate at Ohio State. He was he was solid as a deep ball thrower, but he wasn't the greatest. And I'm just kind of concerned the skills may progress something. I, th- I think it'll be really interesting to see his development as the season goes along. Um, yeah, I know you, you being the optimistic fan thinking a wild card berth, but I, I, I kind of, I think that they could, like I mentioned before, they could win seven or eight games and maybe not start out great, but kind of get hot as the season goes along as, as fields develops that rapport with those receivers. And as long as you see improvement, you have encouragement going into the next year. And maybe 2024 is the year that they make a wild card or, or even challenge for the division, depending on how things shake out. Well, Rami, you asked me the question earlier about the, it being a make or break season. It, it seems like you're thinking they're going to still be a little middle of the pack. What does success look like for fields that they give him another year? I think you have to look at him at the end of the year and see a quarterback that's that's improving over the beginning of the year. So I think obviously he's got a full off season with this staff and with his receivers and he's going to make improvements in the off season. But I think it's going to be seeing on the field, him breaking those tendencies to run when there's those opportunities to run, he stays in the pocket and he looks for a second or third receiver rather than taking off immediately. It probably won't happen day one, but I think if you can see the trend kind of shift as the season goes along, as I mentioned, I think you can, you can be encouraged going into the, the 2024 season and still say that this year was a success because you've, you put the pieces around him and he's, he's taken the steps as a quarterback to improve and, and be make, make the fans confident in, in him as the franchise quarterback going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. I, I really think it's going to be fun to see with DJ Moore there as a true number one receiver. He's never had that opportunity. Um, Allen Robinson was way past his prime a couple of years ago when he was there. So it's going to be nice to see DJ Moore, uh, put Kyle Mooney or not Kyle Mooney, sorry, Darnell Mooney in the secondary slot there and then put Chase Claypool, Cole Komet and, and put the guys more in their natural spots. Cause they were all batting a little bit above their, their uh, place in the order. If you know what I mean? Last year. Yeah. I, I like Cole Komet. I think, um, they, they got a, uh, a good one when they picked him up. Um, especially from the, the fantasy perspective. Uh, I know, uh, I think most of us play, Justin, I know you play because we played last year. I do. I do. (laughs) Not well, but I do play. (laughs) Um, But they do have some good pieces there. There's some reason for optimism. Um, I kind of like Jaquan Brisker, who was a a rookie last year, played every snap in in all 15 games. He was active. Uh, Their win total for the year is is set at 7.5. I'm actually going to go under that. I see them as a 6-11 and team just kind of glancing through the schedule. Uh, maybe they get to seven wins, but you know, as we've kind of discussed, I, I think them, uh, making a wild card run is, is a little optimistic. It's definitely optimistic. What do you other fellas think? I kind of think that they're going to be around that seven to eight win mark and who knows how the, the NFC is certainly the weak conference. So 
at, depending on how things shake out, you they may be sitting at seven wins with a couple weeks left in the season that have an opportunity for a wild card. So I don't think it's so optimistic that it's completely out of the question, but I really think that the Bears have added weapons to take the excuses away from Justin Fields, and he needs to take that step forward. It's on him. And if they improve whether or not they make the playoffs, I think it can be considered a successful year, but I think they'll be right around that seven to eight win mark. Not to hedge on the over under, but I, I kind of did. Well, Vegas is good at that over under. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> they they definitely are. Um, going circling back to DJ Moore a bit, I the impact that he is going to bring is huge. Um, a stat I came across uh, his three hundred and sixty four receptions over the last five seasons would make him third on the Bears' all-time receptions leaderboard behind Walter Payton and Matt Forte. Blown away. Two runs. So they, yeah, right. And it, it and his 5,200 receiving yards would be most in franchise history for the Bears. So he is going to that bring. That to hear, but I'm not shocked. Yeah, he is going to bring what they need, I think. And I think the defense is going to be really good. Agreed. I think that's going to be a big it, improvement. It's going to be more like Bears football than those track yeah, games last year. Yeah, the NFC North and their, uh, you know, bruises and, and uh, it's a tough division. And defenses are always tough. Um, I'm I can't wait for football. Just the end, Um, any more Bears things? Did we touch on the schedule at all? No. Well, I was going to say that the preseason, they, they've got Bills, it looks like, Titans and Colts, two home games, the away game against the Colts. Those mean nothing other than shaping out the roster, so that'll be kind of fun to see see some of the early down uh, interaction between Justin Fields and the receivers he has. Supposedly, he's got great chemistry, but that's always the offseason headline, so we'll see what happens when the games start. Yeah, they've got a, a rough stretch right in the middle of the season, weeks 8 they through do. 12. They play four out of five games on the road, and it's not like they're, you know, scrub teams they're playing on the road. No. At the Chargers and Saints, home for the Panthers, then at the Lions and Vikings. Um, so that may be a, a make-or-break point in the season for them. They do kind of get a, a little bit of a benefit towards the end where they go to Cleveland and then they play uh, Arizona and Atlanta at home. So not to kind of harp on my point, uh, from earlier, but I could see them being a team that kind of gets hot at the end of the year because of the schedule, the way the schedule's laid out. And again, leading to that encouragement, that enthusiasm for the following season. I mean, I, I, I don't think Arizona's going to be a challenge, but I, I Atlanta, actually, that'd be a tough game, I think. Well, it'll be interesting to see what Atlanta has this year. I think they're headed in the right direction, but they've got a lot of injury-prone guys. Yeah. Well, NFC North... We have a, we're, we're, we're prepared to talk about Bears for the majority, you know, for most of the Thing. And well, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about some NFC North stuff because I, I think all of us here would probably agree it's a QBs and coaches league. If you've got a good coach and a good QB, you have a chance of competing. If you don't have both of them, you're really going to struggle to compete for a title. If you have one or the other, you can make the playoffs and maybe be competitive. And I think the NFC North with Aaron Rodgers leaving, it's wide open. And Jared Goff's really played a lot better for Detroit. Kirk Cousins is very inconsistent in Minnesota. And then what do you guys think of Love and Green Bay? Do you think he's going to have a good season this year? I honestly, I'm, I think he's going to struggle this year. I think he'll be successful in the long run, but I think the shadow of Aaron Rodgers is going to loom large over him this year. Yeah, that's a a, a very reasonable take. Um, 
I think for a good part of the season, they're going to take the ball out of his hands. Um, over the last three years, they've only averaged 533 pass attempts a year, and that's with Aaron Rodgers. So now you have Aaron Rodgers leaving and you put in Jordan Love, it's not like you're going to throw the ball more. So this is going to be a, a very, very conservative uh, version of Matt LaFleur's offense. And they're, and the Green Bay defense is going to be probably one of the top. Yeah. They're going to be good. They've got they've got weapons on offense. They've got the running game. They they have a decent offensive line. I feel like with Rodgers, they waited two years too long to rip the Band-Aid off. When, when he was going through all of his drama a couple of years ago, I think they should have looked to trade him. They may not have gotten the return that they did, not that they got a great return on him when they traded him, but I feel like because of the way the rookie contracts are structured, if you want to see Jordan Love succeed, you probably should have started playing him year two rather than year four because you're going to have to make a decision on whether or not you want to pay him in a year. And if if he shows signs of promise this year, it could be a really risky proposition. I know you could do the fifth-year option with the, with him as a first-round pick, but I feel like that they may have waited a year or two too long to, to trade Rodgers and see if Jordan Love is their quarterback of the future. Do you, do you think that he could have gotten, or the Packers could have gotten a little bit more for Rodgers after that first MVP season? I, in my mind, that was kind of the time to sell high on him. At his age, with uh, you know the ayahuasca trip under his belt, he's really ready to go. <laughs> but prior or prior to the uh, darkness retreat, which I still don't quite understand fully what that was, but you know it seems to be working for him. I think that if he would have been traded after that first MVP, there would have been a huge revolt of Green Bay Packers fans. I don't think that would have went very well. I just mean in terms of the uh, return they could have gotten for him. I agree. Oh. The, the fan base. You're right. That was kind of an all-time high with the exception right. of the Super Bowl season. Yeah, you could have got a bundle for him. I think I think the front office handled it really poorly as well. And Rodgers did a nice job when he went on Pat McAfee and other outlets of, of making it, and, and maybe it's true, but making it seem like he was really kept in the dark, pun intended, uh, as far as decisions that were being made in the front office. And I understand you don't have the quarterback in the ring for every decision that you make, but I think he did a, a good job of, of getting the fans on his side and making it really difficult to trade him at the time, at that time after the MVP season. But I think you're right. He, they could have gotten a haul for him, whether that be trading to San Francisco or, or another contender at the time, maybe even Los Angeles. I know that they traded for Stafford rather than Rogers, but I think they could have gotten a bigger haul. And I mean, it all depends on whether or not Jordan Love is a good quarterback or not, right? If he's good and he's the next guy, then the front office looks like a genius and, and they continue to move on. But if he's not, then they're probably out of a job at this point. Yeah, he, he kind of seems like a moron. I don't know if you saw his Twitter take where he said the Bears, like, I wished a happy Father's Day to the Bears. So Aaron Rodgers was the Bears' daddy. Now the Bears are Jordan Love's daddy. He didn't quite <laughs> seem to get that. So he doesn't seem like the brightest guy. You know, I'm, I'm really hoping... Uh, they've had two legends in a row at quarterback there that maybe Jordan Love, they strike out on this guy. Yeah, I, I would not be opposed to that at all. Um, you think the Packers too. I forgot about that. I certainly do. I certainly do. Uh, I think they're going to be the worst team in the division, honestly. Uh, I do I too. I haven't been say... in 12 this year. Same, same. And they've got a win total of seven and a half. So that's pound the under on that. 
And I, I think going to the Vikings a little bit, the, they're going to struggle a little bit more this year too. I, I just think Dalvin Cook leaving is going to affect them more than they, they think. So we shall see. Yeah. I, I'd like just – go ahead. Go ahead. No. Oh, I was going to say, like, I, I really like some of their pieces, though, on defense. I'll be interested to see um, what happens with Rashawn Gary. Uh, Kyle, I know you just put out some content about him here in the past few days. What are your thoughts on him? He is solid. He's my vote for division defensive player of the year. Um, he started off strong last season, five sacks, and I think 16 pressures in the first five weeks. Packers went three and one, and then you know, a few weeks later he tore his ACL. So we'll see when he comes back. He'll be 10 months out from when he hurt it by the time week one rolls around, so he should be ready. Um you guys say you guys say five. I think the defense can win a couple games there. I'm saying seven, uh, just because I think they they will be strong. I still have a great cornerback, uh, Jair Alexander. Um, they got a lot of good pieces there, and um, they drafted what Van Ness, yep. right? A lot. So I expect him to be productive on day one, um, and they still have Preston Smith too. He's, he's still somebody that uh, can get to the quarterback as well. I I tend to think that they're going to be the worst team in the division as well. Um, I think they're going to be around that 5-6 win mark. I, I lean more towards 5. They do have a ton of good pieces, but in doing research for the podcast, they were middle of the pack in everything, and that was with Aaron Rodgers. So you're, you're certainly taking a step back at quarterback, even if everything else remains the same. I think the running game will, will supplement what Rodgers – provided last year but it wasn't like he was he wasn't an MVP last year and they were eight and nine so the record reflected the statistics of being basically middle of the pack I just don't see Jordan Love coming in lighting the world on fire I think it, it's it's going to be a, de, a a development year for him and the Packers and it'll be interesting to see what kind of decisions they have to make in the offseason following this year I was surprised to see just how much AJ Dillon has regressed um, he, he came into the league with a bit of fanfare and started off well, and his yards per carry continued to decrease. And I don't understand how a man with thighs like that could only have six broken tackles <laughs> last year. How does that happen? The security guard shackled him in the preseason. You remember that? That's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> like, I come across that and, and was just shocked. Um, yeah. I honestly thought he had a chance to have a Marshawn-like style or – uh, Craig Ironhead Hayward kind of running style. I was really hoping to see that, but he, he didn't pan out. And as a Bears fan, I was happy to see that. He's he still got a lot of talent, and obviously he could turn it around. But, yeah, he, he did have kind of a uh, regress last year. I, I think you're hallucinating. You think the Packers are going to win more than five. I mean, well, Kyle, Kyle might be hallucinating. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you never know. You don't know what I did before this. <laughs> we got to do these in person. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm unfortunately I'm all the way up to Michigan. You fellows are all right. What were you at, Justin? Chicago area? Uh no, I'm actually in central Illinois. I'm in a small town oh. called Morton. It is actually the pumpkin capital of the world. Had no idea till I moved here a couple months ago. But yeah. Wow. Fantastic. Big pumpkin fest here in a few months. I'll have to report back on that. I might have to leave town because all the pumpkin crazies come down apparently. Jeez. Who knew? <laughs> sounds dangerous. Sounds dangerous. That sounds like, like a great intro for a horror film. Yes. Yeah, I think Halloween 39 is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Uh, what do you guys want to talk about your Lions then? I know we got a couple of Lions fans on here. I really think you guys are going to win the division. And Dan Campbell, I heard a couple of weeks ago, you put in a bet for him as coach of the year. It sounds like wasn't did I hear that correctly? Um, oh, yeah. I I think that's a safe bet. I really think he is a culture changing type of coach. And I was talking about QBs and coaches earlier. In my opinion, he's the best coach in the division. I think that he went up there. He really changed the culture. Uh, if you saw them, wasn't on hard knocks. It just I really like the way he talks to his guys. I like the way he relates to them. He was a former player um, when he was in Miami, I believe, as an interim. He did really well. And just I, I really like what he brings. I was kind of upset he didn't go to the Bears, truthfully. One of those that, you know, you see a coach go to another team, you're a little jealous they couldn't coach your squad. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I was having them. How, how can you not be down with MCDC? <laughs> he, he changed the culture there immediately and everybody is bought in. Um, you know, it, it was sad to see Jamal Williams go because you could really tell that, that he was a leader on the team, but from an on the field standpoint, I'm very pleased they signed Monty. Uh, I don't think there's going to be much drop off in <laughs> performance there at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I think Monty's going to have a big season, like 1300 yeah, total yards. Yeah. I'm looking forward to him. He's, and, he's a solid runner. Sorry. And and this offense with Ben Johnson, I think, yeah, he's going to flourish. Um, and we're going to see if Jameer Gibbs is a running back who is a receiver or a receiver who can place a running back. And I'm, I'm excited to find out. I think he's probably going to be more a receiver that plays running back. I, I think you can, with Montgomery coming on board, I think it, that almost – kind of indicates that they're planning on Jameer Gibbs being more of a receiver out of the backfield or maybe even splitting out in a slot every occasionally, but they, they have a ton of running backs. Um, I was really interested when I was looking this up, like they have quality ranks. So they, they've got depth there. And just to echo what you guys were saying, Dan Campbell, he had that introductory press conference where he was biting kneecaps and, and a lot of people made fun of him for that. I mean, rightfully so it was kind of a goofy press conference, but he has, gotten the buy-in of the team you can have those goofy guys come in and people just kind of roll their eyes but whatever he's doing in the day-to-day -day, it really seems like he's gotten the entire buy-in of of the of the uh team and has figured out jared goff yeah but the lions finally have an identity it's great for decades not having one you know and you can't even just say dan campbell brad holmes the general manager has drafted well made a lot of good moves the, the biggest this offseason was getting CJGJ uh, off the Eagles for a one-year deal. It's only going to be like a five-mil hit. Crazy. I can't wait to see how much I, – I can't wait to see how much improved the secondary is. I got to believe they're going to be the most improved secondary in the league. Oh, for sure. Um, they brought in Sutton and Mosley as well. They drafted Branch. Um, yeah. Mosley was hurt um, – most of the past two seasons with San Francisco, he only played 16 total games, so we'll see how he works out. Um, but there's nowhere to go but up. Obviously, they brought in Campbell to, to plug into the middle of the defense there. Um, I'm hoping Anzalone can improve a little bit and start to really trust what he sees. Um, he does get hesitant in times, and, and I really want to see him just, you know, attack, be aggressive. Yeah, they didn't really... I drafted to address like the line a little bit in the middle tackle wise. Um, I think they'll be all right, but the ends I'm really excited about Aiden Hutchinson again this year, be his second year. Um, and James Houston on the other side as well. I, I, 
they definitely their weakness last year was definitely defense and brad holmes went out there and did a lot of amazing things and uh improved it greatly at least on paper what are you guys thinking record wise for them i had them at 12 and 5 this year i think that's i pretty realistic yeah i, I say ceiling 12 to 13 floor probably eight yeah i've got them at 11 and 6 with uh, a 13 and 4 ceiling i've got them at 11 and 6 as well and I, I do think they win that division. One interesting thing when I was looking at the schedule is they played the Vikings two out of the last three games of the year. So that's it's probably going to come down to those games because I see Minnesota and Detroit kind of being neck and neck for the division. So what do you guys think about that? that? I think that's a weird scheduling quirk. Yeah, they also have nine of their last 10 games are played in a dome. The only exception is at the Bears in early December. That'll be good for Goff, I think, honestly. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So so let's say the the Lions do win the division and Goff has another good year. Do you extend him? Hell no. You so no, you don't need to. <laughs> so they can bring him back next year. Even if they cut him after this year, it's only a five million dollar uh dead cap hit. So okay. you don't you don't trust him for the long term. He's flacco to me. Um oh. Ask me again after this season because there's going to be regression in him. He had he was responsible for one turnover the last 10 games. Like, that's not something that's sustainable. So there are going to be more turnovers. The question is, how many more are there actually going to be? Is it, you know, maybe he throws three picks over those 10 games? All right, I can live with that. But if it's something like six, then, you know, that's a problem. I, I think the coaches put those players in the right positions uh yeah just being a lions fan and they're there where they're supposed to be they know golf's limitations what he can and can't do and yeah i think he'll some turnovers are the number will creep up a bit but i don't think it'll be uh outrageous yeah it seems like more of a statistical anomaly that he didn't turn the ball over than something he could sustain and not even a knock on jared goff i don't think any quarterback can really sustain that except the one and only tom brady yeah well, I mean, I think Goff is is in the top half uh, of NFL quarterbacks. He's probably in that, like, 13 to 15 range. Uh, yeah, when you start listing him out after about six, you really start running thin. So I right. agree with you. He's probably 13 to 15 is pretty fair. You know, the, the question I have going into the season is, you know, you've got J-Mo suspended because of gambling, and they really don't have a down-the-field threat on the roster. They brought in Marvin Jones, but he's – not what he used to be he's old as shit at this point you know they let chart go so you know it'll be interesting to see the first uh, half dozen games of the year just what the offense looks like yeah and i guess my question about golf was more uh, kind of alluding back to what we were talking about previously it's like the devil you know versus the devil you don't like if he has a mediocre year even but they make the playoffs and they win the division What's your alternative? Like you're you're not going to tear that team down and draft a quarterback with a, a playoff ready team and bringing in a free agent quarterback has shown over and over to not really be successful. So, I guess that's what I was trying to get at when I was asking if you extend him or not. You're not going to make him the highest paid player in the NFL by any means or some anything like that. But is he a guy that you could see being your quarterback for the next three, four, or five years? Well, I mean. You know, the first thing you do if you're the Lions after you make the playoffs is fire Jim Caldwell. Um, but after that, <laughs> you know, 
they drafted Hendon Hooker, who's coming off a, a torn ACL. He looked legit as hell at, at Tennessee and performed at a very high level there in the SEC. Is he the answer? Who knows? I don't think he was drafted to be the answer. He was drafted to be the backup quarterback. And if there's something there, cool. If not, nobody's losing sleep over it. In a perfect world, Detroit finds a way next year to do uh, trade up to number two in the draft and take Drake May. But <laughs> there, I, I mean, that's not going to happen. And I'm optimistic thinking the Bears are making the playoffs. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, I'm going to reserve judgment until after this season. You know, show me you can do it again. With with Hendon Hooker, you kind of make me think of Kirk Cousins' entry into the NFL as a backup quarterback being drafted behind Robert Griffin. Look at the career he's had, though. So you can't, you never know how injuries and how opportunities are going to shape a person's NFL career and how that's going to shake out. So we're talking about this in a perfect world. Do you guys foresee any team being bit by the injury bug? I just wishful thinking the Packers. I think it'll be Detroit or Minnesota just because they play on turf. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's good. And you mentioned there's a bunch of inside games there uh, next season or this season for the fly-up. So, yeah, well, fingers crossed it's not them. You're right. Yeah, no. Oh, thank you. Um, they're gonna have a, another top five offensive line. I think they're gonna give golf that time again. They're people. They're big boys. They are fucking people. I could see the Colts signing for Goff next offseason after he has a good one. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we can a couple first. First, say, uh, yeah. and he'll yeah, start selling touchdown passes like the year, and he'll yeah. be like, okay, guys, yeah. talk to his agent. This is our guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. We'll trade you Anthony Richardson. I don't know. He picked up the garbage. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes him a good person and a really good yes. quarterback, apparently. Yeah, yeah. yeah, hopefully he can do that on the field. I actually think he, yeah. he's such a good raw talent. I know we're not talking um, AFC South, but I, I'm excited to see what he can do as a for the Colts. Yeah. You guys deserve something after what happened with Andrew Luck. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate that. No problem. I, I like Andrew Luck. He's an interesting guy. The Ricky Williams of quarterbacks, if you will. Yeah, yep. That's a great comparison. Ran into him in an airport one time and genuinely nice guy. Ricky he's, Williams or Andrew Luck? Um, Ricky Williams, Ricky Williams. Uh, he he actually took a couple minutes, chatted with me. I didn't want a picture or an autograph or anything, so that probably affected the outcome a little bit. But he was just a nice guy. Speaking of statistical anomalies, I really want. I didn't want to cut you guys off because I know you love the Lions. But when you were talking about statistical anomalies, the lot or the Vikings were eleven and zero in one score star this year. Yep. That's yeah. going to regress, and they yeah, are going like to be that. as good as they were. Oh yep. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had that on my little uh, episode out here as well, and uh, I have it in bold. I have it stunned, like because uh, it just—it's crazy. But those kind of things tend to reverse the next year, and I could see averages. I could see them being the team hit by the injury bug and just losing some crazy games this year. Yeah, that's it's. Can Alexander Madison, you know, kind of recreate what? They lost with Delvin Cook. He's had 1,100 yards in four straight seasons. Can Madison do that? And can Jordan Addison pick up the slack that they're losing from Adam Thielen going yeah, to he's Miami? A, he, he's a total up. He's a, he's a total upgrade over Thielen. Uh, I'm high as hell on him. I know Matt is as well uh, for fantasy this year. Uh, he's yeah. 
Thielen's a veteran. He can do things, but uh, Jordan Addison could do so much more. And Thielen uh, couldn't play base last year. He he really had a hard no. time getting open. He, he lost a no. step. He, his route running wasn't as crisp as it was before, and it, he wasn't an asset last year, I didn't think. That's the kind of guy we're signed to a three-year deal. Right? <laughs> yeah. He's he's a much, Addison's much better uh, separator and playmaker than Thielen. He won the Blitnikoff a couple years ago. Um, I'm Like I said, he's somebody I'm targeting because of he's going to see a lot of single coverage. With he's a, with Hawk and Justin Jefferson, yeah, you know, on the other side of the field. That's what I was gonna say. He's a little on the small side, and I think if he were drafted by a lot of teams to be the number one guy, he might come in and have some problems. But if you're the number two or even two B behind Jefferson, I mean, he's gonna have a ton of one on one coverage, and I think he's really gonna have an impact this year. Yeah, I think his floor is Adam Thielen's season last year, which was seventy grabs for. 700 yards and a handful of touchdowns. I, I think that's his absolute floor. I don't think 1,200 yards are out of the question for him. Really? Yeah. Wow. Jordan Jefferson draws so much attention. Hawkinson um, really gives defenses issues with, you know, matchups. He's going to be on his own. Yep. And, and I, you know, you're an NFL receiver. You've got to be able to to win one-on-one. I think you might be right about him getting that many yards, but what do you think about Jefferson if he's not getting as many targets with the double coverage? I actually think diva mode could kick in, and we could really have a full-out Cousins-Jefferson issue there. Yeah, I mean, he'll probably end up somewhere like around 170 targets, 165 targets. Like, he'll he'll still get his. Dalvin Cook left, so, you know, there's a lot of targets are going to be gone. That's not really uh, Alexander Madison's game. Uh, So the the offense is going to look different. Yeah, and it, when does Cousins different. fall off? Well, he's in a contract year, so they've got a de- they've got a decision to make. If he regresses, it's hard because they they've got some pieces too. So, do you try to go young and draft a quarterback? And how long can you keep Justin Jefferson happy in that kind of scenario? So, do you do a total rebuild and see what you can get for Justin Jefferson in a trade? Because I'm sure you could get a haul from from a team like the Colts. For I was going to say, we might be seeing another future Colts quarterback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're they're in a really interesting place because the, other than Jefferson, they don't have a ton of star power. Uh, they were solid last year, but a lot of that was the one-score game. So if they just shit the bed this year, do, do they look at a total rebuild? I think you you have to, really, at this point. Um there aren't a whole lot of pieces there. They're a top-heavy roster. Um, their defense is is almost in a state of disarray. They completely uh, remade the cornerback position. They lost five from last year. They brought in four uh, in free agency. They drafted one in the second round. And it's funny, one of the scouting reports I saw on him uh, said he could become an illegal contact machine. So that, that doesn't seem like the kind of guy I want to draft, especially in the second round. I want to make a Bill Cosby joke, but never mind. No. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, um, this will be the second year I, with, with respect to Cousins. The, the time he's been there, this will be his first time having an offensive coordinator the same one two years in a row. And I think that's going to help as well. And I think it's probably going to be pretty important um, because more of the offense will probably get put on him with the loss of Dalvin Cook. I like Alexander Madison when he is what was in game class uh, the last few years. This is fourth year. 
like I think, I think so. Third, third or fourth, but yeah. Yeah. Um, he's, you know, he's had some good runs, especially when Dalvin Cook uh, went out with injuries a few times over the last few seasons. He's looked good. But good vision he's, when he's running. Yes. Yep. Good vision, but he's never taken 100. He's never hit 150 carries in a season or breaking the 500 yard mark either. Again, you got Dalvin Cook in front of you. It's hard to, to get above those numbers, but, you know, that can he stay healthy? Yeah. I know his body hold up there. Yep. Yep. So he, he averages 4.1 a carry. It's not uh, horrible, but not bad. You know, not bad, but we'll see. The one-score game thing that Raymond brought up was something I wanted to harp on, too, because that they're not going to replicate that. It's just not going to happen. That's a pendulum year to year. You see, you're exactly right. It goes like a lot. Yeah. Uh, they'll be 0-9 this year or something in one-score games. It, it has a tendency to average out. Yep. Um, Their schedule, we got a late buy in week 13. I hate Eight late buys. Buys should just be like eight drawings momentum. Eight to a like weeks eight to eleven. That's it. I think if you're Better. a veteran team, the late buy can be effective to get you the rest you need. But if you're a younger team, I think it really ruins momentum and kind of kills some of the chemistry you had. It's like a a, a London game or something. Yeah. Yeah. And they got go out. I think it depends on the schedule too. I mean, if you're if you're just dog shit in the two to three games before the buy, it can be a situation where the, that buy is a good thing. But if you're like you said, Justin, like if you're hot and you have that buy, it could kill all of your momentum. So I think it not only is it when the buy is, it's who you're playing directly before and after the buy as well. And you remember a couple of years ago, the Chiefs, the Chiefs right before their buy, everyone was kind of writing them off saying they were done. And then after that, Andy Reid, as he always does, comes out of the bye week with a new game plan and some new little toys and trick plays and all of a sudden they're right back in it yeah yep um matt mentioned the defense not being pretty good they they did bring in brian flores i think that's going to be huge for them as their dc um he's got a hell of a coach he is he's got a reputation for improving uh young players and that roster is full of promising young players do they play miami this year because he'll he'll probably have the team really hitting them for um, yeah, <laughs> um, they got some tough games. You know, they're playing the first place schedule. They're Chargers, Chiefs, 49ers. Unfortunately for the Vikings, those three are all at home. So we'll see how they do there. Um, middle, middle of the pack, they got some weak opponents Packers, Falcons, Saints, Broncos, Bears, and sorry, Raiders. Um, you know, so the truth turns. Yeah, they got some <laughs> things that, and yeah, no knock on the Bears, but. You know, they didn't make the playoffs. The Lions didn't either. But either did the fucking Packers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, that really... Rogers. Yeah, isn't that really what fucking matters? Yes. I think we can all agree on that. As a Colts fan, do you hate the Packers too? Sure. I'll hate them if it, if it helps. <laughs> I'm I'm in with you guys. Yeah. I mean, I don't care either way. But yes, I mean, you guys, Bears fans, Lions fans, I, I would like to see... I mean, maybe... Um, I'm jealous because they did have two quality quarterback, not quality Hall of Fame quarterbacks for an extended time, and I'm a little jaded because my my second Hall of Fame quarterback got cut short because of his own doing. But yeah, I mean, fuck the Packers. I'm on board with you guys. Yeah, we if go. if the Packer, if Jordan Love turns out to be the third oh, franchise no. fucking guy, I am just gonna fucking just jerk the wheel off a bridge because fuck. That. <laughs> I mean, come the fuck on. That's like Pittsburgh having the fucking three great coaches they've had the, their whole fucking existence. Like, come the fuck on. 
Well, it's almost like there's something to give the coach time to figure his system out, right? Like they give them time to fail. And that, that's one thing I do like about the Bears as an organization is um, they give the coaches time to fail, sometimes way too much time. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and uh, Poles did the did what he had to do in there. You know, he cleared all the, the bad contracts. And, I, you know, you know you didn't want to lose Roquan, but it, it had to happen. Um, Khalil Mack getting traded, it, it had to happen, these bad contracts. So he did what he had to do. It fucking hurt for a minute. But you see where you guys are at um, with the personnel on paper. And they could they, – they, They'll be competitive. Their defense will be very good. About with the cap space they have, they can sign Justin Fields, and the way it will hit their cap, it won't affect them as if he's in the first year of a huge contract. I'm bent to look into that. I didn't get to read the whole thing, but because they have so much cap space this year and next year, in terms of signing him to that long quarterback extension, let's say everything goes the way we're hoping, they, they sign him, and he's the legend that all Chicago Bears fans have been hoping and dreaming for, there is a way that with the salary cap and with the way the collective bargaining agreement works, they can do that. I'll have to report back on that next time I'm back here on the Bears. Hopefully with some great news and several touchdowns. <laughs> right. I I would say I would rather have Justin Fields than Jordan Love. Um, I would agree, and and not just yeah. as a Bears fan. I just think the the way he carries himself as a leader as an NFL quarterback, Jordan Love just never inspires confidence, and that's not coming as a salty Bears fan. He just, it makes me happy, but he he does not inspire confidence. Kirk Cousins is corny, but he gets those guys to believe in him, and Jordan Love just, I don't get that from him at all. Well, yeah, and to be fair, he hasn't had the chance to try and achieve that. Yeah. yeah no. And Rodgers didn't when he was the backup either, so you never know. Maybe that there's something to that, it up there. That's why I said it. It's the third one in a row. Done. I'm never eating cheese again. I'm just definitely <laughs> I'm on board with that. Right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> what a terrible uh, life. I feel bad for you, man. Cheese is no, wonderful. Dude, everything is so much better. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's not even necessary. Gooey, gooey, melty. So many different varieties for every occasion. Yep. Yeah. All right. I'll let all of you enjoy that. There's a lot I could test our fortitude for cheese. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of Gouda cheese out there. That's the truth. Um, little stat I found on Justin Jefferson. Uh, if he puts up 1,500 yards this season, he'll be the first player in NFL history to reach that mark in three consecutive years. Devontae Adams is also trying to attempt that this year. Out of those two, do they do it? Does one? None? I think Jefferson does. I think I think the Raiders are going to take a step back, and I don't even know if Garoppolo is healthy yet. Um, right. I think, I think Jefferson does it because I think he's that good. Yeah. I think he's the more likely of the two to do it. I could certainly see them both doing it, though. Yeah, he just Jefferson. You know, Kirk Cousins can just go. You know, Jefferson's down there somewhere and throw it up. He'll get it. Closes his eyes and chucks it. Yeah, he is super talented. Yep, super talented. I think he honestly reminds me a lot of Randy Moss, and I really hope his career takes that route. You know, a couple of dip years in Minnesota before he's angry and leaves and then goes to maybe the Raiders and is terrible. And instead of the Patriots, come on and play with the Bears. How about that? A different shade of blue. <laughs> just just as they're getting ready to open their new indoor stadium in, in Arlington, In right? Arlington Heights or Naperville. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're, um, they're not going to do Arlington Heights potentially now. So, Oh, wow. Huh. Yeah, they're they're trying to back out of that. Naperville's trying to offer money, a little bit more affluent community up there. So I, I think they're 
looking to get the taxpayers to get a stadium and Naperville looks like they may be the suckers on the hook. <laughs> I'm I, personally, I, I think they should stay in Chicago. I think, uh, it, it's bad when the teams leave the city. I know that more people can come to it. It's more accessible for parking purposes, but there's something about the being in a large city and having a team like that, that does something for the team and it does something for the fans and for the city as well. I think it'll be a sad day when Chicago loses the bears. Detroit, or the Lions actually moved from the suburb to the city. When they left the the Pontiac Silverdome and went back down to Detroit proper. Yeah. Pistons said the same thing. From Auburn Hills, a suburb, down to downtown Detroit. Now that they're not. I like it. Yeah, I like you know, it. You, you feel, I don't know, I like the presence. You're down on a big city, walking down on the sidewalk, thousands of other people on the way to the gates. You get that feeling. You're hyped. You're drunk, maybe. Yeah. You're buzzed. There's a buzz in the air. It's just, it's fun. It is. It is. And it's, it definitely feels like the city plays a part in that. It it makes it more of an event as opposed to just going to a game. And scalpers feel out of place in the suburbs. Yeah. Scalpers, you've got, you know, you won't be seeing many homeless in the suburbs. They're always readily available on the streets of Detroit or Chicago. Readily available. (laughs) Yes, just add water. (laughs) Just add water. (laughs) This is taking a dark turn. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I got a van out back. I've got (laughs) it. was readily available. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anybody want to be candy? He's candy. (laughs) Why are your windows blacked out? No, do not pay attention to that. (laughs) Why does my mask smell like chlorine? Right. Please stand by. Please stand by. Or something. Look thirsty. Would you like a roofie colada? Bill Cosby again. That guy. Jesus. Who's worse, Bill Cosby or O.J. Simpson? I don't know. I both suck. I think we should watch him in a celebrity boxing match. We should. It could be the other two versus Jake Paul. I mean, it's clearly Cosby. O.J.'s innocent. Right. He, was yeah, this, he was found innocent by a jury of his peers. But oh, if he did it, I don't know, gunpoint memorabilia uh, steal, like, I guess, evil or whatever. Yeah, that was mine. He did go to prison <laughs> for that. That's true. Uh, that can be the undercards for Zuckerberg and Musk, their cage match. Well, when you guys did the um, comedian list of the, the Sixer, he had Norm MacDonald listed uh, pretty highly, I think, for a couple of you there. And he's got a great joke about Bill Cosby where everyone said, you know, the sad thing about it was the lies. And it was like, wasn't it the rape? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the rape? The, 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 the hypocrisy. About it. Yeah, it was the hypocrisy. The hypocrisy. Yeah. 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 It's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I met Norm uh, MacDonald one time. I was very starstruck and he, he did not disappoint. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm such a fan. I love Weekend Update. I love all your stand up. I love the movie Screwed. And he's like, uh, yeah. That was it. And I just hung my head and walked away and I was like, well, what, what the hell was I expecting? That's normal talk. Yeah. yeah. May he rest in peace. That's awesome. He, he is funny. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. Well, fellas, any other questions you got for me about NFC North? I don't think oh, so. This was good. fantastic, man. 
I yeah, I really enjoyed it. it. Looking yeah. forward to it. Anytime That's... you need some Chicago stuff, or I, I love baseball, basketball, football, hockey, some pro wrestling, uh, and video games, so and comedy. So anytime you want me on, happy to come on back. Really enjoy the show, and and thanks for having me, fellas. Sweet, thanks, brother. Thank Exit you. Yeah, this was awesome. A lot of good info. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. See you, Justin. Bye. All right. Now it's time for our pick sixer. This week, we're going to talk about some of our favorite artists, bands, musicians, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, Kyle, would you like to lead us off? Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to go number one, the Beatles. You guys probably knew I was already going to choose them. <laughs> English rock band. Of course, John, Paul, George, and Ringo, regarded as one of the most influential uh, bands of all time. Uh, that's really all I need to say about them. Uh, number two. Can you tell me? I've never heard of these Beatles. Yes, never heard of them. Well, yeah. they were, like I said, very influential in music, integral in the 60s counter uh, culture. Um, yeah. Huge. Love them. Thank you. Thank you. Not a bad Beatles song. There's not a bad there's a couple. Yeah, yeah there aren't many numbers either. Yeah, well, that's uh, number two. Uh, country singer Garth Brooks, and uh, he's a songwriter as well. Uh, the best solo, best selling solo. Jesus. He is the best selling solo albums artist in the United States ever. Um, ahead of Elvis Presley. He is only second only to Beatles in total album sales overall. Um, interestingly enough, I forgot about this, but he had a little short, uh, foray into baseball. He did some spring training, um, a couple of years, uh, with the Padres, 2000 for the Mets and then 04 for the Royals. Unsurprisingly, rosters, uh, he got his one and only hit off Mike Myers during his final spring training game, the Royals at 10 04. Uh, I didn't, or did not, uh, number three, Led Zeppelin. Um, you know, Beatles were the sixties. Led Zeppelin is my favorite band from the seventies. Uh, Robert Plant, Jimmy Page, uh, John Paul Jones, and John Bonham. Uh, they're also, you know, influential, one of the best selling artists. Um, the great songs, uh, stairway to heaven is probably their most famous song. Uh, number three, Prince, uh, but let, let me just cut to the chase here. If any of you don't like Prince, you found it. I mean, who doesn't like Prince? Uh, famous singer songwriter, well known for being kind of flamboyant, androgynous. Um, he had that little, uh, was it the 90s? Yeah, it was in the 90s where he famously changed his name to the love symbol and just known as the artist formerly known as Prince. Unfortunately, he did pass away in August of 16 due to an accidental overdose of fentanyl. Uh, number four, Johnny Cash, American singer songwriter known as the Man in Black, uh, left a huge mark on music industry with his deep, resonant voice and the blend of country, rockability, folk music. Uh, I Walked the Line, Folsom Prison Blues, Ring of Fire, famous songs of his. Uh, he had a lot of ups and downs in his careers, battled with addiction. Uh, he died from complications of diabetes back in 03. And number six is uh, rapper Dr. Dre. Um, influential American rapper, record producer, 
uh, entrepreneur and uh, his solo or his solo his uh, debut album Chronic in 92 and the Chronic 2001 are still two of my favorite albums of all time. Ramey? That is a very interesting and diverse list, Kyle. Thank you. I like I like a lot of different ones. I, I was mentioning this earlier. I'm not the biggest. I, I love music, but I'm not like into the details like you. So I do have a top six. A lot of them are from different points in my life when I was probably listening to music a little bit more. And um, But we, we did have one crossover. Um, my number six is Led Zeppelin. So really enjoy Led Zeppelin. Have a couple of their albums. Um, won't say much more, but just really enjoy it. Um, uh, Stairway to Heaven is probably not in my top two or three of their songs but it's it's a very good song they're a very good band uh, yeah um, I, it's it's not when the levy breaks is probably my favorite so. yeah yeah um my number five incubus uh they were a band that it was just right at the came up at the right time when i was in high school kind of early in college just make yourself morning view science uh, they had some albums after that but those are the really the three albums that i i resonated with that resonated with me um and then moving on to number four, uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, Stadium Arcadium is an album that I probably played 50,000 times in my car driving back and forth from uh, IU to home on that three-hour drive. So listen to that a ton. It was just a great album, and I really love their music. So uh, number three, uh, Foo Fighters um, was actually the first concert that I ever went to. It was a Foo Fighters concert. Um, Dave Grohl moving on from Nirvana and completely reinventing himself uh, with the with the new band and being the the lead singer for Foo Fighters just just really enjoy their music. Um, number two, uh, Tom Petty. Uh, I it's one of those. Kyle, you say that there's no bad Beatles songs. There's there's not a terrible Tom Petty song really. No, um, it's just a just a guy that wrote a lot of good kind of kind of a uh, like folksy bluegrass rock. Uh, mix just um, again growing up just heard that on the radio all the time and still listen to him this day to this day which brings me to my number one uh it is a band that i'm going to go see later this summer i have seen them in concert a couple of times uh from 91 to 94 they probably had as good of a run as any band in a three-year period uh my favorite band of all time is pearl jam um Love Pearl Jam. Love Eddie Vedder. Doesn't hurt that he's a Cubs fan. I actually saw them play at Wrigley Field uh, after a rain delay. Uh, they played until about one o'clock in the morning. It was a fantastic concert, and I'm I'm gonna go watch them here in Indy uh, later this summer as well. So uh, Pearl Jam is my favorite band of all time. Matt, what do you got? That's a that's a good list. I Dave Grohl's a good guy. He, he is a really good, good dude. Yeah. Yes, I've seen a couple different clips where I'll take a, a just recently he took a kid off stage, could play guitar, and I jammed, and that was awesome. The kid, like at the time of his life, he's never going to forget that. Dave Grohl seems like a great guy. Yeah, it's it's nuts that he went from being the drummer of Nirvana, and I I know that it's not unique for people to be able to play multiple musical instruments, but being the drummer for Nirvana and then completely kind of doing a, a one eighty and being a, a guitarist slash lead singer for another extremely successful band. It's just not something that happens very often. But yeah, those are those are mine. Matt, what do you got right. for us? Well, mine are way different than both of your guys's. Uh, number six for me is Tupac. Uh, he is the only uh, musician or artist whose poster I've ever had on my wall. 
Um, he epitomized what, you know, back in the day was called gangster rap. Um, number five for me is Phil Collins. Uh, his 1985 album, No Jacket Required, is an uh, amazing piece of, of work. Uh, four for me is Paul Oakenfold. He was a DJ so good, he made Brittany Murphy think she could sing. Rest in peace. <clears throat> Number three for me, the only only carry over here, Prince. Uh, he was an amazing musician. He actually played all 27 instruments on his debut album. Uh, number two for me is Eminem. He's pretty much the GOAT lyricist in, in hip-hop, uh, and he's a, a Detroit boy, so makes it even better. Uh, and number one, Timbaland, he is the GOAT producer. Pretty much any hit song you hear on the radio, his fingerprints are all over it. That is a very different list from what we had. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, I associate Timbaland with just more producing and not actually... You know, thoughts, music, but that's okay. I mean, he makes the music. It's no different than, you know, the hammer for Led Zeppelin or, or whatever. He does vocals too. I'm shocked that you guys to be in Detroit guys only had one, one Detroit guy on there. There ain't no way in front. Kid Rock was going to show up. And I, I did it. Bob Seeger was number seven list like if somebody i was back and forth and i almost put seager on love some of his uh stuff and silver bullet band uh the live album was just fan fucking tested i love bob seager he'd be number seven i was gonna make a kid rock reference but fuck kid rock i don't like him either <laughs> kid rock like, i'm gonna leave that one in right kid rock <laughs> looks like the guy that feels catalytic murders for meth <laughs> All right, that's our pick sixer. Um, let us know what you think. Like, comment, subscribe. Please, please, please comment. Tell us your favorite bands, favorite musicians, favorite artists. Tell us why we're wrong. Tell us why we're right. Just tell us something. All right, tell us why you think Kyle has shitty tape. Uh, now it's time for our Stone on Sports podcast back in the day replay. Um, mine is on July 14th, 1951 this week. Uh, a one and one sixteenth mile race of thoroughbred uh, horse was run at the Monmouth Park Jockey Club in Ocean Park, New Jersey. It was known as the Molly Pitcher Handicap, which was won by a horse named Marta. The race is still an annual tradition at the racetrack. Why am I talking about a horse race, you ask? It was the first broadcast of a sporting event shown in color. It was aired on CBS. Unfortunately, most of America did not see it in color. It's color TVs until the 1960s. Ramey, what do you got for the back of the day? Well, Kyle, uh, in the spirit of the All-Star Game on this in this week in 1968, the first indoor all-star game was played. Do you fellas have an idea of where that game was played? Yeah. The Astrodome? No. Matt is correct. It was in the Houston Astrodome. Damn. Matt, what do you have? All right. Uh, July 11th, 1914, pitcher Babe Ruth debuts for the Boston Red Sox. 
Uh, he earned a win over the Cleveland Naps, 4-3. to three. He would go on to help Boston win three World Series championships before the Red Sox sold his right to the New York Yankees for $100,000 cash. Ruth would go on to lead the Yankees to four World Series championships after that. Amazing. Uh, Ramey, what to, uh, which league won that uh, game? Uh, you know what, Kyle? That is a great question, and I do not know the answer to that. Oh, and when I was looking it up, I was like, what year was it? What year? 1968. You know who won? Tigers won the yeah. World Series that year. That's all NL, 80s to AL, 1-0. The time of the game was only two hours and ten minutes. In ten minutes, yeah. Early versions of the pitch clock. Jeez. <laughs> That's under the pitch clock. Shit. People didn't fuck around back then. They breezed right through that. They didn't either. Well, well, you, you had a lot. Of, it wasn't the media hoopla either. There's no pre-show, post-show, half-show, or, you know, no, half-show. <laughs> Pitchers were a lot meaner back then, too. Yeah, they were. Bob Gibson was mean as shit. He was ready to go. He'd put one in your ear if you fucked around. He was a, you fuck around, you find out. Right. Kind of guy. I think he coined that. Shout out again to Rocky's Pizza, our official sponsorship of the sponsor of the Stone Down Sports Podcast. Get yourself a pizza tonight. What's their telephone number? Uh, international 001, area code 810. <laughs> 655-422. I, I actually don't know. It's 810-655-4242 if you're in the while I'm not as familiar with Rocky's Pizza as you guys are, I would say I'm not going out on a limb to say that they're not going to deliver outside of the Continental 48. They're not going to deliver anywhere. Yeah, because if you listened in the beginning, the uh, delivery is takeout. Um, well, please I, try and I, I wasn't I wasn't wrong then, was I? Well, yeah, that's. I mean, you got a point. You do have a fucking point. <laughs> All right. I, well, that'll do it Thank for you. this week's episode. Uh, check us out on the web, stonedownsportspodcast.com. We're on all the socials. I think Kyle's going to make us a thread. So, you know, we're excited about that uh, at some point. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. We'll be back next week talking about another NFC division that is yet to be determined. Take it easy, folks. We'll see you. I... Good enough.